This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Skalarsep, and I'm back. We took a little bit of a break, but we are back. And there's so much to get into. We have Carly Lloyd saying goodbye to the U.S. Women's National Team. Played her final match on Tuesday. We have so much Americans abroad to catch up on. Sujinu Dest, Weston McKinney, Gianluca Busio. Still no Christian Pulisic, still no Giorena. But there's there's other stuff to talk about. And there's other players to get excited about. And then, of course, we'll get into plenty of MLS. That schedule just keeps rolling. It's Wednesday again and 11 matches. We haven't even discussed the weekend. We'll touch on the weekend a little bit. We'll talk Supporter Shield. The New England Revolution have won the Supporter Shield. And it has brought up some old discussions and debates regarding the Supporter Shield. We'll touch on that a little bit. We'll also get into the MLS MVP discussion a little bit, if we can. And also Tuesday, LAFC defeated the Seattle Sounders 3-0. Seattle in a bit of a slump. Obviously, they're missing some key players. They did uh, Nicholas Odero did get back. Uh, saw some minutes on Tuesday. I don't think anyone's panicking in Seattle. They've seen this before. What matters is being healthy at the end and being rolling at the end. Although, if you're Seattle, you don't want to lose the top spot in the West. Sporting Kansas City, Colorado Rapids right on their tail. LEFC, though, heating up. And Carlos Vela's back. So, good news for Bob Bradley's bunch. Been a rough year, but they're right there. And they get, get that Vela just made his first appearance in two months. And with, between Christian Arango being the hottest striker in the league and bringing Vela back, if Vela can play like Vela, you know, he can play. Who's going to want to play LAFC in the playoffs? I can't imagine many people. But first, we have to obviously kick things off and talk about Carly Lloyd. She played her final match for the U.S. Women's National Team on Tuesday against South Korea. They won 6-0. She, she came off in the 66th minute. Very emotional moment. And look, we've all, we've all known it's, it was coming. We all knew this date was on the calendar and this was going to be the goodbye. Didn't make it any easier because... You know, obviously, she's such a warrior. She's such a, a, a tough, aside from the skill and talent and, and big game ability, she's known for being a very tough customer. She doesn't suffer fools. She doesn't take any crap. But I'll give her credit at the very end here. She's pulled back the curtain a bit to let people get a sense of what she's about. And trying to help people understand how she is as a person. And... I know she doesn't rub every, you know, she's rubbed some people the wrong way with, you know, some people think she's whatever. And then she, she's run down the list of names that she's been called and the slights that, that she has felt. And she's, you know, she's taken the slings and arrows and continued to, to have an unbelievable, amazing career. And I know some people will always say, well, why do you listen to that? Why do you let the haters get to you? Why do you, why do you pay attention to that? Right. I know, I know that's kind of the sense for some people. They don't understand. Why should a legend care? what random people on social media say or even media say and i think it's easy to look at look at it that way without considering that look while she's the goat now while she's arguably the best women's player of all time now it's not like she was anointed that it's not like she was 14 15 years old already being considered one of the best in the world and didn't spend her formative years elevated and 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 lauded in that in that in that status right 
when you're when you're one of these elite players from a young age and you kind of get used to the attention you ignore it you, you it doesn't matter to you because you've kind of grown up in it right if you're grown up in that setting if you're killing mbappe and you're scoring champions league goals at 17 and winning world cups at 18 by the time you're 20 and mid 20 you don't care about anything People tweet, people tweeting about you or uh, writing articles. You could care less because you've been through so much, and none of that matters. With Carly Lloyd, there's someone like Carly Lloyd who obviously fought so hard through her career to get to this point. She didn't have an easy time. It wasn't all cake and ice cream all the way through her career. It wasn't a known thing that 15 years ago, you know, even 10 years ago, that she would be this legendary player. She didn't know it. And not a ton of people necessarily knew it when she first kind of turned pro, when she first broke in with the national team. Obviously, she had the heroics at the 08 Olympics that kind of gave that first sense of, oh, hey, listen, she's special. But getting back to the point, I can kind of understand why she had to be that way in terms of being what some would consider defensive about things or, or, or go after people who she felt were coming after her. Look, she's, you know what? She's a human being. And believe it or not, not everyone just is going to be able to take abuse and take, uh, you know, random shots from anonymous people or even random or shots from what they perceive to be shots from the media, all that stuff. It's easy to say it shouldn't matter. But I'll tell you one thing, she definitely used it as fuel to drive her. And you know what? When you're a competitor, you use what you use, whatever you can use to drive you to reach these heights. And you can't really argue with the career that she had and the heights that she reached. And I know I've said it recently, but you can't think of many people in in soccer, men's or women's, who who came up huge in as many top finals as her. And that that takes a special type of person. Forget the skill as a player. Forget the ability to hit a shot or deliver a pass, and the you know the technical aspects of a player. It takes a certain kind of intestinal fortitude. To feel the brightest lights, to be on the biggest stage, in the biggest matches, against the best opponents, and deliver more than once. To deliver repeatedly. And that's why for me, like she can't get enough praise. And she deserves all the flowers. Because I know some people are already over it, right? Some people are like, ah, when is this going to be over? When are we going to stop having to hear about Carly Lloyd's farewell? It's like, listen, she is an absolute legend in the sport, American icon. She deserves all of this. There was never anyone like her before. And I don't know if we'll see someone like her again. So let give her all her flowers now. And I know, look, she's a Jersey girl. I'm a, you know, be, I'm obviously I'm Jersey all day. So there's that special part of it for me. I know I'm a little biased, but I mean, I don't care where you're from. If you're American, how do you not, how are you not proud to have her represent your country considering what she's done over and over and over? So enough about that. I'll get off the soapbox, but bravo to Carly Lloyd because she has set a standard and she has definitely inspired so many. And not just female, not just girls. She's inspired Americans. She's inspired. I guarantee you she's inspired people all over the world. Because you can't tell me people around the world haven't seen some of these games that she's had. World Cup finals. Olympic finals. Game winners. 
So she deserves all of it. And it, it's, you know, I'm sad to see her go, but I'm glad we, I was there to watch it. And I don't just have to, didn't just have to read about it. There's a generation that will have missed out on her, but we'll be here to remind people, listen, Carly Lloyd was that, was that player. She was the real deal. And we'll see who fills the void. We'll see who steps up and comes anywhere close to to what she was able to do. Because it's it's not just about talent. It's not just about being able to play well and outplay opponents and be the best player in the world. It's about also that and also delivering in the biggest moments. And that's that's the highest of bars. So we'll see you can do that next in this next generation. And there's obviously a lot of young talent coming up for the U.S. Women's National Team. And it was interesting that, you know, Vladko Andonovsky did trot her out in her last game with quite a few young players, giving you the, giving you that kind of taste for the next generation that will look to try to fill that void. So I thought that was a nice touch. And I'm sure that experience is going to mean a lot to a lot of those young players who were able to be part of her last game. So kind of wish I had been in Minnesota for that one. Um, I know she's still not done, by the way. She still has some games with Gotham. If they make the playoffs, there could be a playoff run there. And how about that for a storybook, right? What if she leads Gotham to a title, NWSL title? I know it's a long shot, but stranger things have happened. And she's beating longer odds, so hey, who knows? We'll see. And I uh, listen, if that happens, if they make a run, I'll be there. I'll absolutely get out there because it'll be one last chance to see her in action. Moving on. From the U.S. Women's National Team, we're going to get into Americans Abroad. And right now, the U.S. Men's National Team is not in action. We're still a few weeks away before we we get the the names for the camp for the November qualifiers. But serious Americans Abroad action across the board. And we'll start with Sergio Dest, who, for everyone keeping track, he has been on a roll. He is, he is, you know, as much as Barcelona has had its rough season, ups and downs, inconsistency, dealing with life after Messi, dealing with injuries, what have you, financial uh, mismanagement, all, all that aside, Dest has found a way to, find, to hit a nice run of form. And now he's playing in an attacking role, which is still, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Now, he played in the, he played in the Clásico, Real Madrid-Barcelona over the weekend, Unfortunately for him, what's going to be remembered is the miss he, that he had in the first half. The score was 0-0. Ball fell to him. Clear look in front of goal. He puts that away. You never know how this game goes, but he missed it. He shanked it, and soon after that, Real Madrid took over. Barcelona never really challenged after that. I mean, toward the very end, they got a consolation goal, which Sergio Des assisted on, by the way, but he missed that opportunity. I mean, that's writing your name in the history books of the Clásico. If he scores that goal, helps them win that game. And who knows? Maybe they don't win anyway. Maybe Real Madrid responds. And they win. But the point is, he had that opportunity. He didn't take it. It happens. I'm sure he'll dust it off. Because one thing I'll say about Sergio Dest is he is not someone who dwells on defeat and failures. He's not someone who's going to beat himself up. Not to say he doesn't care, but you know what? He's a different breed. He shakes it off. And he shook it off. He got back in. He started on Wednesday. Barcelona, unfortunately, they lost to Rayo Vallecano. And uh, Ronald Koeman is feeling the heat. I mean, I, you know, everyone's talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Man United, how much heat he's feeling. But Ronald Koeman is not long for Barcelona. 
And it's kind of a, you know, it's an interesting one because we all, we all know by now that, that Ronald Koeman is a big Serginho Dez fan, rates him as a player, and he's given him his opportunities. Started him at right back, left back, right wing back. Now he's at the now he's playing as a right winger. And you never know what's going to happen when the new manager comes in. It'll be a whole new challenge for Dest to kind of show himself. And 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 again, you know what? That that's just that's the deal. The good news for Dest is that he's in good form. He's confident. He's feeling good. Even if there is a change at manager, you have to think Dest will be one of those players that the new manager will look to build around or look to be one of the fixtures in that squad because he's the fact of the matter is he's one of the few players who's actually been consistently playing pretty well, especially the la- over the last month. So I wouldn't I wouldn't get too worried if you're a U.S. fan and you're kind of wondering what's going to happen with Dest. He'll be all right because look, he's making the most of it. He's, as crazy as this year has been for Barcelona, he is making the most of it. And who you know who would have had Sergio Dest starting as a right winger for Barcelona for you know not one match, not two matches, not three. He's four. What is this four in a row at least now? He's not going to stay there. I'm pretty sure once they're fully healthy, he'll I think he'll move back to right back. But still, he's getting great experience. And he's going to have his, you know, missteps. He's going to have his missed chances. He's going to have his bad games because he's young. He's still, what is he, 20 still? I mean, he's still super young. But you see the ability. We saw in the October qualifiers. We saw the Golasso against Costa Rica. We saw, we, we, anyone who follows the national team, you've seen what he can do. And we haven't seen his best yet. That's the scary part. That's the great part. That's the exciting part. If you're a U.S. fan, is knowing that we still haven't seen Serginho Dest at his best yet. So we'll see what happens with him. Another player that's uh, been making some waves lately, Weston McKinney. And talk about another player who, obviously, the the season that he's had, the year that he's had, the ups and downs, the suspension from the national team, the rumors at the start of the year that uh, Max Allegri didn't want him. Juventus was looking to get rid of him. And what happens? Puts his head down, keeps working. And now, what? guess what? Weston McKinney's starting every game now for Max Allegri. Well, you know, he's was it three games in a row now, now and big games. He started in Champions League last week. He started in the big Serie A uh, match over the weekend against Inter Milan, and they, which they tied. And now he started again here on Wednesday, today. I'm recording this on Wednesday, and unfortunately, they lost to Sassuolo on a late goal. But McKinney scored. He scored his first goal of the season. Beautiful header. Now, you could definitely point to Sassuolo's game winner and say, oh, he could have done better. He, you know, beautiful pass to spring an attacker behind him. He got, you know, he got caught in a position where, you know, he had to cover a ton of ground. And Sassuolo made the key pass to, to, to unlock, unlock the counter. But still, McKinney is definitely... I, I still have to say, I got to think, when you look at it, he is gaining the confidence of Max Allegri. And I think Max Allegri has helped stabilize things there now. Obviously, once Ronaldo left, Cristiano Ronaldo, they were able to kind of readjust. And it's interesting, the talk out of Juventus is that, you know, once Ronaldo left, it was a good thing because they were able to now figure things out and not have to so much lean on Ronaldo, but actually be more of a team. And the results have gotten better up until today, obviously, they up until Wednesday, they lost to Sassuolo at home, which you, obviously you never want to do. But Weston McKinney is starting to get a regular role with Juventus and is making the most of it. 
Now, is he crushing it every game? No, but he's steady. He puts it in the work. And if you're Allegri, that's, I, I really believe that's got to be when Allegri is looking at his team, he wants people who are going to fight. Obviously, he wants the people who deliver the talent and the skill and the ability to create chances and all that. But you need fighters. And McKinney is a fighter. And he's bringing that to the lineup. And that's why he's in there. So for all the talk before the season, oh, there's no role for him. He should leave. You know, the, you know he's not going to play. Hey, he's playing. He's winning Allegri over. And if you didn't see it, check out the celebration when McKinney scored today. When McKinney scored the equalizer, Allegri lost it. He was he was overjoyed. And obviously they ended up losing, so he was. I'm sure he wasn't happy at the end. But I think moments like that when you win a manager over for you. And it's still a bit early days, but I feel like Allegri, I feel like McKinney is winning Allegri over. And he's that kind of player. He's that kind of player that will win. He, he understands the importance of the coach relationship. And I'm sure he understands he needs to win Allegri over. And Allegri is a manager with the resume that commands respect. So we'll see if McKinney can keep it going. Obviously, you love to see it that he's getting consistent minutes and he's playing, he's in good form, especially with qualifying around the corner. U.S.-Mexico around the corner. We're, what are we, two and a half weeks away from Cincinnati? And we know Weston McKinney gets up for those Mexico games. Nations League final, he was, you know, a beast. They'll need him to be one again because, you know what, no Christian Pulisic, no uh, Giorena, potentially. You're going to need McKinney. At his best, so we'll see. We'll see how he can, we'll see if he can keep it rolling. Another player in Italy to discuss is Gianluca Busio. He had a bit of a scary one. He he suffered a knock in the first half of Venezia's match over the weekend. Also, uh, I believe against Sassuolo, and he had to come out at halftime. And there was some worry that oh, you know, he, is it a serious injury? Could he be out for a while? Sassuolo took Venezia apart once he came out of the match, um, which kind of was interesting because he's been an important player. He's played well for Venezia. He has. He's absolutely played well. He's he's earned that starting spot, and he has been a absolute staple in the starting lineup since since he broke in. Now he shook off the injury. Played on Wednesday. And unfortunately, Venezia lost to Salernitana in a big, big match of two teams trying to avoid relegation. Those are the kind of matches, if you're trying to avoid relegation, if you're Venezia, you need to win that game. You definitely don't want to lose that game. But unfortunately, Salernitana scored a late goal to win it, and uh, they are still in the relegation zone. Venezia is still outside the relegation zone, but that that was a big missed opportunity for them. But for those of you listening, what you care about is Busio, right? And Busio came back. He was in the lineup. He played 90 minutes. Was he 100%? I would, ha- I would have questions about that just because, you know, he did take that knock. He comes in, he plays 90, didn't have his best game. In fact, you could argue it was one of his worst games since he's been in Serie A. But he got in there. He played his 90. And hopefully he can put whatever, you know, injury issue he had aside. Because he has a real chance to play a role in November in the World Cup qualifiers. I mean, he should be part of the squad if he's healthy and available. He absolutely will be, in my opinion. He'll be part of that squad. And we know, as things stand, based on what it looked like in October, right now the midfield's pretty set. Weston McKinney, 
Tyler Adams, and Eunice Musa. Eunice Musa, as good as he looked in October, you have to think in, ter- in terms of the central roles, Musa's the guy. Now, what's interesting is Musa isn't getting minutes now for Valencia since then. Since the October friendlies, uh, sorry, October qualifiers, when he looks so good for the U.S., he returns to Valencia and he's not playing. He's not getting many minutes. So now if you're if you're Greg Berhalter, and we're two weeks away from camp, we're two weeks away from U.S. camp, if you're Berhalter and, and Moose is not playing, and Busio is playing consistently, that's going to be an interesting one. That's going to be a very interesting decision for Berhalter. Stick with Musa, though he hasn't been playing, or go with, with Busio. Especially against the Mexico team with the kind of midfield that they have. With Hector Herrera, Andres Guardado, Edson Alvarez. I mean, they, they're stacked in the middle. And Busio has played Mexico. Remember, he came on as a sub in the Gold Cup final. So he's faced some of these guys. Again, that Mexico team in the Gold Cup was well, pretty close to their A team, except for um, Irving Lozano, who was injured, and, and Jimenez, who was injured. But still, interesting decision for Berhalter. But again, we're two weeks away. Plenty can happen. Musa could, could start playing. Busio could, you know, what, what maybe he he isn't playing. But I, I think Busio, if he's healthy, he's going to play for Venezia. He is settled right in. You would think he played for Venezia for three years, four years, the way he looks comfortable there. And now Ethan Ampadu uh, received the red card for Venezia, so that's even more of a chance. If anything, maybe that'll give Tanner Tessman a chance to get some minutes. Tessman actually came on when Busio came out over the weekend, so he actually was able to get some minutes then. Now with Ethan Ampadu suspended for the next match, maybe that's an opportunity for Tanner Tessman. But for Busio, November qualifiers could be a big opportunity for him. And next up, we are talking MLS, and uh, there's so much to get into. Obviously, the weekend, uh, there was a lot of action, including the New England Revolution winning the MLS Supporters Shield. And actually, they did it without playing. They did it courtesy of the Seattle Sounders losing to Sporting Kansas City on Saturday. So actually, uh, (laughs) uh, New England was in Orlando. They were traveling to Orlando for their game against Orlando, and they watched it on their phones and if you saw the videos, the celebrations that, that you know they learned of the of the supporter shield while they were on the bus on the way to the airport in Orlando, and they were able to celebrate it, and it was great, well deserved, obviously, the great year that they've had, and credit to Bruce Arena for the what he's done. It's been a it's been a very very impressive season for them because they haven't just won matches; they've looked really good doing it. Solid defense, great attack, fun to watch. I mean, if you're if you're a long if you're a long time New England fan, I mean, this is un, uncharted territory. I mean, I know they had their years where they they were in MLS Cup. They they were in the final four times, and they had those those great teams with you know Taylor Twelman, Charlie Joseph, Pat Noonan, uh, Michael Parkhurst. They had those great teams, right? Clint Dempsey, young Clint Dempsey. But the 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 soccer they're playing now. Is is I think the best I've ever seen New England play, ever. So credit to them, big big season for them, and it's interesting because winning them winning the Supporters Shield has brought up familiar questions about the Supporters Shield. And just to sum it up for you, the Supporters Shield is a little 
the issue with it, the main issue with supporter shield is because obviously the supporter shield is goes to the team with the best record, and it's supposed to con- it, it's supposed to denote you are you were the best team in the league during the regular season. Now the issue with that is the fact that not every team plays the same schedule, and the schedule is more and more unbalanced because it's not a case of everybody plays everybody twice, right? You can't do that because you would have 52 games. You'd have to play 52 games for everyone to play everyone twice. It's a 2017 league. So right off the bat, you're not playing some teams. And also the way the league is set it up, they want, you know, they want to have some teams in their own conferences play each other multiple times. That leads to wildly unbalanced schedules. And Hercules Gomez brought up a point on his show on, uh, on ESPN with Sebastian Salazar, and he brought up the point. You know, New England hasn't played anybody with 13 wins, right? Brought that up. And, you know, like, I get what he's saying, but it, it just seemed like, I don't know. Like, uh, what's the point? What's the point of bashing the Supporter Shield? Because I'll, I'll be the first to say, I've said it in the past, the Supporter Shield. At the end of the day, MLS Cup is what matters. And the only people who ever want to really argue that are people who have just won the Supporter Shield and who have never won anything but the Supporter Shield. This is not a new thing. This has been going on for years. And I'm not judging anyone and I'm not criticizing anyone because, look, if I'm in that position, I've never won an MLS Cup and I've never won a Supporter Shield. I finally win a Supporter Shield. I am going to celebrate it. It's, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to enjoy it. And that's what New England's doing now. They're enjoying it. Their social media team is going nuts. They're the great, uh, you know, they do some great work over there. They've been cranking it out, and they're they're fully embracing it as they should. But it should be pointed out that you know what? At the end of the day, the people who care the most about winning a supporter shield are people who've never won an MLS Cup or a supporter shield. If you've won an MLS Cup, you no, know, uh, uh, let me let me rewind. I've seen it. I've seen teams win a supporter shield and it's like, but they've never, they hadn't won an MLS cup and it's like, oh, this is the best, you know, we're the best. We really are. This is really what matters. This is, and you're saying that because that's all you have at that point. The tune changes once you actually have an MLS cup because you understand that is the true measure. That is really what's remembered. People remember MLS cup winners way more than they will remember supporter shield winners. I don't think many people outside of the actual teams winning the, in every given given year remember who wins the supporter shield. Not many. Not many people really do. And it's because it just doesn't have that significance. But again, credit to New England. No one should knock them for celebrating at all. It's not like they got 25 wins against Cincinnati, folks. They've beaten good teams. So I thought that was a bit of a cheap, uh, a bit of a cheap shot. Uh, the whole kind of pointing to the records issue because you're not know, at the end of the day you are playing good teams, you are going to play good teams. There's, let's not act now like the West is just all juggernauts and powerhouses, as if it's not also helpful that you have a lot of dead weight in you know down there when you look at the standings, right? And you look at the standings and who's racking up points. You can understand some teams are in a position to you know rack up wins. <coughs> So I don't know. It, 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 it's just interesting. So credit to the Revs, but I'm sure even Bruce Arena knows this season is still going to come down to winning MLS Cup. Because if you don't win MLS Cup, it's going to feel like a failure. 
Because it's like, and that's the thing. That's what happens when you kind of set that bar for yourself. When you kind of want to get on the soapbox and say, ah, supporter shield. We are the absolute best team in the league. Well, guess what? Now you got to prove it. Now you got to do it when everything's on the line. And yes, I know in the playoffs, anything can happen. It can always, you know, it's always, you're a red card away or an injury away. You never know. But MLS Cup is what's remembered. The Revs need to win that one. And then this season go it becomes something completely different. It's one thing if they do break the record, because actually they're in line to break the points record. If they, they, they can still break the uh, LAFC's 2019 points record, I believe it's 71. I think they can break it. They still have games enough and points enough in uh, in hand to break it. Now, if you break the points record, you win the supporter shield, and you win MLS Cup, then you're talking all-time season, all-time team. Then you no one can argue that. But if you just win Supporters' Shield, it's great that you can enjoy it and celebrate it, and it is a part of your history, and you should celebrate it. You should put it in the trophy case. You should like parade it around. Absolutely, do all that. But just also know... The rest of the league isn't going to see it that way. The rest of the league isn't going to say, oh, congrats. No, it's no. Because guess what? Look, you only have to look at 2019. LAFC in 2019 was a juggernaut. They destroyed people. They were, everyone was just overmatched against LAFC that year, right? But who remembers, like, who really looks back at that team Like the average person doesn't look back on the LAFC team and think anything about that team as an all-time team. Not really. And why? Because they didn't win MLS Cup. They didn't even get to MLS Cup. They didn't get to the final. That's just a reality. That's just a reality situation. MLS Cup's what matters. You got to get there. You got to win it. And this team can do it. To be clear, this team has everything to do it because they have a coach who's won multiples. What does he have? Four or five? I think he has more than anyone's ever won. He knows what it takes to win. You've got solid defense, great goalkeeper, the best attacking player in the league right now, Carlos Gill, MVP for my money. You've got two goal scorers in, in Bo and Buxa. You've got everything you need. You've got bench. You can rotate. They, they've got it all. They've got it, they have no excuses not to win. Doesn't mean it's a gimme. Doesn't mean there aren't some teams that could absolutely knock them off. Seattle Sounders could absolutely do it. Philadelphia Union could do it. When you're talking about a one-game situation, two-game situation, you can have that. But New England has has all the pieces in place to do it. So we'll see. We'll see if Bruce Arena can add another MLS Cup to his uh, pretty crowded trophy case. Now, speaking of the, the MLS MVP Discussion. I'm not going to get too much into that right now just because I feel like I've already gone on a bit of a rant as far as New England and the Supporters Shield and, and, and all that. But the Carlos Gill one is interesting or the MVP discussion is interesting because my man Alexi Lalas came out and decided to share his formula for the MVP. And I'm not going to kill him too much, at least this episode. I, I think I'll save it for another episode in terms of kind of breaking down what my criteria is. But I would say the idea that only go only only non penalty goals is the only criteria that matters for MVP just isn't real. That's not a real thing. It can be what any one individual believes it should be, but that's not the reality. Not at all. Not even close. I do agree 
that it isn't total goals, but games. How many games do you make a major impact in? How many games are you delivering the winner or the winning assist? Again, it's not just goals. It's goals and assists. Because you set, if you're setting people up, that matters. You're setting people up with chances consistently. That's valuable. How can you say it's not? Maybe I'm not going to get too much into that because I, I, I'll break down my own kind of M, the MVP race. And there's not much of a race, honestly. At, at, there, there was a point when there was, when Raul Ria Diaz was in there. And Dan, Daniel Shaloy, give, give the kid all the credit because he's had an unbelievable year. And while comeback player is a dumb award and they should have gotten rid of it. And my, my suggestion has always been there should be a most improved player award. Daniel Shaloy is the most improved player in MLS for my money. I mean, unbelievable what he's been able to do this year. And credit to Peter Vermees because he, he put it all, he's put a lot of work into Daniel Shaloy. Shaloy's had, he's had his ups and his downs to be clear. But he's really put it all together this year, and he deserves credit. So, uh, you know, when I when I talk M- MVP race, I know some people are like, "Oh, how do you not even give the kid a chance?" And I'm like, look, it's fine. look, he's in there. He's a f- he should be a finalist, and he is a fi- I believe he's a finalist. He should be a finalist, no question about it. But it's no contest. Carlos Gill is MVP. Period. You can argue all you want. You can bring out your formulas. You can b- give your whole spiel on why what matters, what doesn't matter. Carlos Gill's win MVP. Period. It's happening. Done. Chisel it. Take it to take the trophy, take the the prize, take it to the engraver. It's done. He's MVP. It's a wrap. And no, I haven't voted yet. Um, I have to see if I have to vote still. I would, yeah, I got to make sure I vote. But he's MVP. And I wish there was the most improved player award because Shaloy would absolutely deserve that. And Shaloy will be best 11, as he should be. So not taking anything away from Dan Shaloy, but let's be real here. Carlos Gill has been ridiculous this year. And I know he missed some matches with some injuries and what have you, but still, MVP, period. Now, moving on, MLS action Wednesday night. We have an 11-match schedule, and hopefully you're listening to this with a chance to still bet on some of these games because I'm going to break down some of these lines for you. Tuesday night, however, LAFC defeated Seattle 3-0. Watch out for the LAFC resurrection. They were looking like they were going to miss the playoffs. They still aren't in, to be clear, but... Christian Arango keeps on scoring, and Carlos Vela just came back. And right as of right now, before Wednesday night's matches, LAFC is in seventh place, holding down the seventh spot, the final playoff spot in the West. They still have work to do. They still have to win games. They still have to fight off Vancouver and RSL, who are both on the outside looking in, but they have matches tonight. They could leapfrog LAFC if they win tonight. But LAFC, with a healthy Vela, with a red hot Arango, with Bob Bradley pulling the strings, I don't know who's going to want to who's going to want to deal with them come playoff time. That's going to be it. That's going to be an interesting one. If they get in, they are going to be a force. I, I I feel like they could go on one of these runs. And as much as the 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 format is is has been continuously tweaked so that the lower seeds have a tougher and tougher tougher road. I'm not sitting here saying LFC is going to win the whole thing, but I think they're going to knock off a team or two that had high hopes. If they get in. So we'll see. We'll see if they get in. Of course, they have to still have to get in. And Seattle, back to Seattle. Let's not worry about Seattle. They've got injuries. Ladero, Rui Diaz, you had Jao Paulo out now this last game. But Ladero just came back. Jordan Morris is on his way back. They're going to be ready. I'll tell you right now, Seattle's going to be ready. They'll be right there in the conversation to make it to another MLS Cup. So I know they're in a slump right now, but don't don't read too much into it. 
don't ignore the fact that they're obviously missing some key players. And they also realize, look, we want to be the number one seed, obviously. But if you're not, it's not the end of the world. They've gotten to a final as a top seed and not as a top seed. So they understand. What matters is being healthy, having all hands on deck, when the playoffs start. And we're still, what are we, a few weeks away still before that. So looking at Wednesday's matches, you have New England at home against the Rapids. Interesting late intra-conference matchup. New England at home, minus 160. They're the favorites, as they should be. Now you can say they don't have anything to play for. They've already won the Supporter Shield. Ha! However, there's that points record. They still have a chance to break the MLS all-time points record. And that matters. That does matter. Absolutely. You can't tell me it doesn't. And you also don't want to back into the into the playoffs. As much as you've already won the Supporter Shield, you don't want to go into, this, in, into the end of the season on a, on a winless run. Because that can absolutely derail you. And we already saw, look, I give the Revs credit. They played Orlando City on Sunday. You already won the Supporter Shield. You know they had to celebrate it a little bit. You know, they, there were a few beers. There were some drinks. Had to be Saturday night before their game. Because it is what it is. You've won the Supporter Shield. You've earned the right to celebrate. So everyone could have expected them to just lay down and lose to Orlando. They're losing 2-0 to Orlando in Orlando. And what do they do? They fight back 2-2 draw. <clears throat> now that shows me a team that's ready. A team that gets it. A team that's serious about finishing the job. So for me, that's why I like their chances against a Colorado team. That is obviously, they haven't been great on the road. And going in New England, playing on turf, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I'm going with New England. I'll take New England. Give me New England with the minus 160 as much as you can argue they don't have much to play for. But they do. They do still have something to play for. Next up, Atlanta United at home against Miami. Atlanta minus 240, big time favorite. Uh, Miami plus 500, huge dog. I'm taking Atlanta all day. Uh, Miami, obviously, when they're at home, they're a little different proposition. They're still technically alive for the playoffs, but I think it's a bit of fool's goal there. I think Atlanta's going to handle it. Minus, as much as minus 240 is not a, a great number, I'm still taking Atlanta. They're not one of my top picks, top bets for this week, but give me Atlanta. Next up, FC Cincinnati at home against Nashville. And it just tells you how terrible Cincinnati is that they're at home and they're plus 320. That's crazy. But Nashville's a good team. Nashville minus 125. Give me Nashville all day. And I, I know, look, this is a perfect MLS trap upset alert game, right? Because Cincinnati, no one expects anything. But they're at home, so there's always the chance. But no, Nashville still has a lot to play for in terms of playoff positioning. They need this one. They're going to get this one. Give me Nashville mon- minus 125. Columbus crew find themselves desperately holding on to hope of still getting into the playoffs. And they need a win at home against Orlando City. And we have a dead heat even match here. Both teams at plus 155. Coin flip. Who do you take? Give me the crew. They're at home. I still, I know, I've lost so many times picking the crew this year. But give me the crew. I know they don't have Zardis. They still have Zalarian. They still have our, our very recent SBI show guest, Miguel Barry, who should have a chance to play. In this one, give me the crew, plus 155. Although, Daryl DK has been red hot, and he still, for me, could still be called. He, he has a chance to get called in for the uh, November qualifiers, in my opinion, considering the form that he's in. But I'm still taking Columbus, plus 155. Next up. One of the better games of the week, of the of the midweek, the Wednesday schedule, DC United at home against the Red Bulls. And obviously, we know about the rivalry. 
But this one has the added playoff implications. Red Bulls, unbeaten in eight, four straight wins. They're on a roll. DC United, the opposite. They have not won in October. They're winless in October. If they lose this one, they're in serious trouble. They need a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. And if you're the Red Bulls, you got to smell the blood in the water. This is a chance to bury a rival. you got to do it. And also and ease things up a bit. Ease up that tight, tight East playoff race, right? I'm going to go Red Bulls. As much as DC's good at home, as much as the Red Bulls haven't been great on the road, all signs point to DC. I should absolutely be picking DC, right? I should. I should. But the Red Bulls have really shown me a lot here in the last couple of months. Just really turning it around, really buying into Gerhard Struber's system and, and that young group growing up. When you get a young group growing up together and really kind of bonding, I mean, I just feel like they're heading in the right direction, DC not heading in the right direction. So I'm going to go Red Bulls plus 170. Next up, NYCFC at home at Yankee Stadium against the Fire. NYCFC is so tough at home. The Fire are terrible on the road, which is how you get NYCFC minus 300 and the Chicago Fire at a plus 650, the biggest number on the board. I'm going to go NYCFC. I probably wouldn't bet on this just because of how big the numbers are, but you got to go NYCFC. They're at home. They, they they know they need this win to keep climbing, not only to stay in playoff position, but to potentially break into the top four, get that home game in the first round. Give me NYCFC. The Fire, they've shown more under Frank Kopas' interim coach. They've started to show some signs of life. Gabriel Slonina, remember the name? Gaga Slonina, the 17-year-old goalkeeper. Uh, future, future star goalkeeper. I mean, he's showing some good signs. Just outdueled David Ochoa over the weekend when, uh, in Chicago beat RSL. But he's going to have, he's going to, there's going to be some target practice going on. NYCFC against the Fire. So Slonina could have a big game, but I'm still taking the Fire. I'm sorry. I'm still taking NYCFC uh, to win this one at home. Next up, TFC at home against the Philly Union. TFC's plus 190. They've shown some signs, but I'm sorry. I'm going to go Philly. In Toronto, plus 120. I think Philly, they've started to show, they're starting to round into form at the right time. So I'm going to go Philly there. FC Dallas at home against RSL. FC Dallas is out of it playoff-wise. RSL is fighting for their playoff lives. So give me RSL at plus 220. They're on the road. They're obviously much better at home, but... With everything on the line, I'm going to go RSL. I think they're going to take it. Next up, Sporting Kansas City, LA Galaxy. This is a big one. This is a big one. Both teams with a lot to play for. Galaxy holding on to playoff position. And Sporting Kansas City trying to take the number one seed away from the Seattle Sounders. They obviously beat the Sounders over the weekend. Big win for them, for Peter Vermees' squad. Now they're at home. They're so tough to beat at home. Give me KC minus 115 with everything they have to play for. Galaxy have been a little too inconsistent. This could be a draw. This is a perfect game when you're looking at it. I could absolutely see a draw, which is plus 260. If you're looking for a draw to bet, that wouldn't be a bad one. But I'm taking KC. Give me KC minus 115. And the last two matches, Portland at home against the San Jose Earthquakes. Timbers uh, uh, Timbers are minus 120. That's actually, I know the Timbers have been struggling. I know their, their, their form's not the best, but the Earthquakes, give me Timbers all day, minus 120 over the Earthquakes. Last but not least, Vancouver at home against Minnesota. And the Whitecaps have really, I got to say, They've exceeded my expectations. I thought once they fired Mark Santos, the wheels would come off and they would fall out of the picture completely. But not only did that happen, but Brian White all of a sudden is like just can't stop scoring goals. And then you have Minnesota, who's been a bit inconsistent. They've struggled to find goals on a regular basis. I'm going to go. That's a tough one. That's a toss up. Give me a tie. Give me the draw plus 230. 
Don't ask me why. I'll go the draw in Vancouver. And that wraps up Wednesday's matches. Hopefully you're listening to this in time to put some money down. Or maybe you're not. And then you'll save money because I could be wrong. But that wraps it up. I think that's it for this episode. I think we touched on everything that I was looking to touch on. Uh, we will have our next episode on Saturday. Uh, this this week I'm actually celebrating my wedding anniversary. So I'll be uh, not only deal, not only will I be celebrating my wedding anniversary, but we are putting the finishing touches on transferring SBI to a new platform. The SBISoccer.com. We are moving away from the USA Today network and we are going independent. I've mentioned it before uh, that we are shifting over to a subscription format model. And, you know, for those of you who, you know, I'm sure more and more people are, are subscribing to different things, whether it's newspaper sites or the athletic or what have you. SBI, that's what we're going to do. We are going to have free content. To be clear, there's still going to be articles that you can read, even if you don't have a subscription. However, there will be plenty of articles that you can read if you subscribe and not only articles, but video content, uh, podcast content, not the SBI show. Uh, I'll keep the SBI show off the platform for now. I'll, I'll keep it, uh, you know, free to listen for now. Uh, that could change down the road, but for right now, uh, we're going with video content. We're going with featured content. Uh, I'll have a lot of my exclusive content on there as well in the subscription formats. So that starts next week. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, I, the site looks better. I got to say it's a, it looks sharper just already seeing the kind of the the work behind the scenes as we're building the new site. So I'm excited to see what we can do with that. Uh, but I think that's it. That wraps it up for this episode of the SBI show. Uh, I think we touched it on, on it all, but I'll be back on Saturday to catch you up on everything that happened in MLS in the middle of the week and look at look ahead to the weekend in Americans Abroad and maybe even catch up on some of the early Saturday morning action for Americans Abroad as well, because uh, you know what? There's so many Americans playing in Europe and overseas right now that every single weekend you're going to have a handful of guys that are crushing it. And, of course, some that are struggling, but, you know, that's part of the deal. But um, but that's it. That's That wraps it up. And definitely thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully I'm, I'm looking to have a Q&A actually next episode. Um, part of the next episode I will do a Q&A as well. So feel free to drop some questions on Twitter in the comment section of this episode. Uh, I'll have a Q&A post up on SBI pretty soon. So look out for that as well. But uh, that's all for now. I'm Ivis Galarsa. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>